Hello, welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about feminism, horror movies, and sexuality. I'm your host, Kristen Lighty, and tonight we have with us, I am so excited, we met in Chicago doing comedy. Uh, she is just a wonderfully hilarious person. Welcome, Megan Dirty. Hi, well, hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to do this. Yeah, of course. Uh, Meg, why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, okay, I'll do this. Oh my God, this is like the beginning of any, every interview and whenever anybody <laughs> asks me, like, what is your favorite something, I forget everything ever made. Um, okay, I'm Meg, full name Megana, um, born in India, uh, raised in like kind of the DC area, uh, came up in Chicago doing comedy for like the last like six years, seven years, and now I live in LA. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a comedian. I do stand up. I love writing satire. Um, I love, I'm an academic research person too. So uh, most of the day I spend just overthinking everything and relating it back to cap <laughs> capitalism. So it's kind of my specialty. It's a very solid topic to work from. Uh, yeah, your New Yorker pieces are absolutely hilarious. Every time I read them, I like laugh out loud. The last one about, you know, why would anyone date me? I'm just a piece of shit. Like, it was <laughs> fantastic. You, you know, what's so funny. I got multiple emails about that of people who like thought it was about me. They were like, they were like, oh, <laughs> they're like, you don't seem that bland. And I'm like, this isn't about me. This is about terrible people that I dislike, but so cool that you thought it was me. Um, no, it's so funny. It's so funny. And then they're like, of course, like always emails of like men explaining my own article back to me, which I love. Isn't that fun? Yeah. So I fun. almost uh, gave up on dating because men would keep trying to explain my day job, union organizing and comedy. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> uh, why do they do that? Like, just never asked you for your advice, Micah. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> Is that, oh, you're living with your mom in her basement? Yeah, I, uh, I think I'm doing fine. <laughs> 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 but I don't want to derail us with terrible dating stories. So that could go all day. But uh, no. we've got you here. We're talking about horror movies. That's exciting. What's your relationship to horror movies overall? Like, how do you feel about them? I don't love them. I am. A, I get easily scared. I'm a total coward, and I can watch like sus I can watch like suspense kind of movie like I can watch like Shutter Island or like you know like movies like that or like Squid Game like gore doesn't bother me but like as soon as there's like demons and ghosts involved like I can't I can't do it I will turn on the light at night and sleep with it on for like a week if I watch anything <laughs> scary That's so you me. truly get your money's worth then Oh yeah, I so scared. Like I, I remember when I saw The Grudge and The Ring. Those are like my two. Ooh, I can't. I still can't watch them. It really freaked me out as a kid. <laughs> they were scary. So, what is the first horror movie you remember seeing? The Ring. Oh yeah, The Ring. I forget when it came out, but I just really regretted it because it because it's like these horror movies. They like use everyday things to scare you. So like the TV, like, I never thought I would be scared of my TV, you know? And so, like, to walk out of that movie and be like, now, like, look at my TV in a new light is so weird. Um, that really freaks me out. And we had, like, a TV in our room, which I, like, begged my mom to get. And then I was like, can you move it out of 
my room. I can't <laughs> sleep with that on. <laughs> That's great. I love that point you make about how horror turns every day into the terrifying because I feel like modern horror is really delving into personal relationships as uh, the realm of real horror. And uh, mm -hmm. for the movie you chose as well, I think, you know, that really comes into play. Um, so for us to talk about tonight, uh, Meg chose Get Out, which I know we talked about mm -hmm. right when it came out with Angela Harris. Uh, but, you know, we let everyone pick their favorite movie and I don't want to hold anyone back. And it was four years ago. So we want to see Meg's take on it. Um, so, yeah. Meg, why did you pick Get Out? Uh, I think it's such a brilliant movie. It's not only like. I guess my favorite horror movie. It's also just one of my favorite movies, period. Um, I just like there. I feel like there's so many movies made about like race or capitalism in America. That is a very like one dimensional take. Like, And then you'll have a lot of stuff like Green Book, you know, or stuff about slavery where everything is very like black and white. Like there's clearly a good person and bad person. Um, people like especially white people love to watch like a movie about slavery and be like oh like these people are terrible like i'm so much better and like get out was so good because it like i think it showed a lot of white people like oh like that sounds like me or like that sounds like my parents and like really like showed it, it was like one of the first major movies that i saw like critique white liberals and like obama voting liberals and like and just like so much like symbolism about like cultural issues and like white feminism and like the way black culture is co-opted. Like it is just so like, it's so good. Um, and so simple that um, I, I, I think it's really an incredible movie. It is. And I am, uh, I'm pumped to talk about it with you. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen it yet, what are you doing with your lives? Uh, Seriously. You know, we go full spoilers here. So if you haven't, go, let's go watch it right now and come back. Get Out is the 2017 story of Chris who goes home to meet his girlfriend Rose's family. And what we think is just going to be a normal, maybe awkward weekend turns into, uh, you know, borderline sci-fi body horror excursion where we find out the family is essentially kidnapping black people and using their bodies to hold elderly white people's brains so mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah it's a great it's so funny because it's like i feel like there's so many movies of like the white boyfriend visiting like a poc family or like a culture like my big fat greek wedding uh to oh. i can't remember all the names but there's so many movies of like the white boyfriend visiting like a poc family uh like mexican black whatever and i, I just thought it was like a really funny twist on that because it's like this is like the worst case this is like what like a person of color fears <laughs> when they go <laughs> To like a white family i've had uh white ex-boyfriends i mean obviously i'm still alive nothing horrible happened Thank but God. um <laughs> yeah but uh it, it was just like it was just like such a simple premise and it like kind of he kind of like heightened it to the most extreme thing of what like a person essentially fears right being surrounded by an entire like like even like doing stand-up shows in like ohio or whatever like like that is a fear that is just all like in the back of my mind all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being the other in those environments. 
I can't even imagine, I don't, you know, I can't imagine what that feels like. What themes jumped out at you in this movie with rewatching it? The two, three main things, um, like, well, the tea, like the tea is so interesting, like the way that she uses it to hypnotize. And I think the tea is like symbolic of like drugs and a lot of things that I feel like, uh, the government or like people or, you know, uh, or like people use to kind of like suppress revolutionary fervor, like, and like keep your consciousness low. Like, I mean, we know this historically, like, like what did Asada Shakur say that like no one is ever going to give you the education to overthrow them or something like that? I I didn't paraphrase. It. I paraphrased it, but um, it's essentially that it's like it's like the reason we a lot of people do drugs or drink heavily. It's like an escape from reality, and a lot of that is usually like um, further promoted uh, through you know just like tactics to suppress people and divide them so I thought the tea was just really interesting and him like falling literally to the sunken place of just kind of sort of it kind of you kind of are forced to go to the sunken place which is like to like limited consciousness in order to sort of just live your life right on an everyday basis mm -hmm. like there's a really funny onion headline that's like women uh turns off like uh part of her brain that that respects women in order to enjoy tv show and it's like <laughs> oh, again i paraphrased yeah. it. it it's the actual headlines way funnier but it's like it's like that like you almost have to like turn off the like the most intelligent part of your brain in order to just like live every day mm -hmm. um so I think there are a lot of, I mean, people don't constantly about like, oh, he's in the sunken place or she's in the sunken place. And it's like, uh, a lot of people are, a lot yeah. of people are. <laughs> so that Sometimes was one. it's easier to get through the day. Yeah. It's much uh, easier to get through the day when you don't you have know, to. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping back to the tea um, metaphor. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that a lot as well, because I feel like it's almost like using civility as a tool, like tea is very proper. And, yeah, um, that's and true. I, I think a lot about my organizing and I used to organize with, uh, when I first started, I was organizing unions with mill workers and retail and more like working class people. But then once I started organizing with academics, I didn't realize what uh, um, a weapon wielding uh, the idea of professionalism at people was like, mm -hmm. you can't organize, you can't speak up for yourself because it's not professional. And we don't do that here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I have so many thoughts about this. I, that was like other thing I was going to say of like the thin veneer of violence that exists throughout the movie where they're just making him so uncomfortable, but they're not outwardly being violent. So you can't critique them. And I think like one so often, like, like well-meaning leftists or liberals or whatever, um, really like are condescending to working class people because oh, yeah. they haven't read theory but it's like they don't have time to <laughs> like trying to survive um but they also they have lived in experience that you could never have no matter how many books that you read um so there is i do hate the civility of like the respectability politics that just exists of like like oh well Biden is so classy. He doesn't tweet stuff. It's like, 
yeah okay like bush is classy but they still like murdered people and it's like it's like we're expected to respect them because they did it in a nice way Uh, and like you're totally right tea is like such a perfect like prim proper like literally the og colonizers british like reference yeah (laughs) it's like oh we're having tea but also i'm using it to like literally hold you captive yeah, I feel like I've just been nodding furiously, which won't translate well for the podcast. But <laughs> yes, I totally, I love everything you're saying. Uh, yeah, and you felt that so many times in this film, there was just that weird tension of like, you were expecting things to escalate. And I feel like that's kind of how these situations can feel in real life as well. Like, mm-hmm. you just, you never know what that um, oppressor is going to do. Yeah. And it's always like, I mean, obviously you relate to this as a woman and then I relate to this as a, a woman of color too, but it's like, yeah, it's like some, it's like you almost like convince yourself like, oh no, that guy isn't being creepy or that person isn't being racist. Cause it's like a lot easier to live without thinking that. So you just like convince yourself that like this thing that is happening that your gut is telling you is not happening. And then And then something more like really overt has to happen before you like respond. And it's like in the end when he literally has to like kill these people trying to kill him. It's I mean, one, it's fantastic. It felt good to watch him kill these horrible white people. But also (laughs) it's like it just makes me think about like all the protests and when people like condemn violent protesters. And it's like or it's like even like Palestine, it's like they're it it's a it's defense it's defense so it's like not really violent it's like it's they're defending themselves Mm -hmm. they're not offend yeah it's it's so funny because like no one would say that about this movie no one would call him violent because he's like trying to save his life but people don't make that same connection with like protesters or like other activist groups or like even working class people protesting like they don't see that as in the same way. So I think it's interesting. Yeah, you bring up a really good point about how like a lot of the violence of structural racism is not overt, I guess is the word I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. it's not it's not all at once. It's not a big bang. So like people don't understand right. the reaction. Um, no, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, um, people who don't like deal with it directly don't understand. And that's why like, it's so important for like working class people and people of color to lead it, you know, because it's like, they, they're like, they have the gun to their head. So they get it uh, versus like, I'm comfortable. So I don't really have to care. Yeah. Like a lot of the violence in the movie is not overt until it becomes overt. And like when Rose like switches, did you get chills down your spine? Yes. It was like, it's still even rewatching it. I think I've seen it like 10 times, but every rewatch is like, <sighs> like, fuck. And it's like, I watched that and I was like, I knew it because it's like, like that was white feminism right there, which again, mm-hmm. like, I feel like a lot of movies don't talk about, but it's like, that is like the way that white women weaponize their tears or their, you know, like they're like, they're like, uh, pers- like people like, want to protect they like what they represent in the american psyche of like delicateness and old traditional values like people like want to protect so the fact that she knows how and when to turn it off is like 
it's so like ooh, yeah it's it, like i was super villain yeah that that part scared me that was really scary <laughs> you know what's interesting is that i was kind of watching some interviews after the movie came out and the woman who played rose she had said that numerous people came up to her and were like but rose was hypnotized right like Rose wasn't, you know, actively part of this. And like, that's such, like, that's the kind of pass white women get. Like, they aren't even wow. seen as a real villain in a movie about them. That is so crazy. That's so funny. They're like, she was hypnotized, right? I was like, no, she was like the main aggressor. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow, that is so funny. Yeah, people really, like, will give white women the benefit of the doubt until the last second. It is completely wild to watch it happen. I mean, it's so interesting because that's like a perfect example of like racism and misogyny at the same time where like, it's like, oh, like you give her such a benefit of the doubt because she's a white woman. And at the same time, like you don't think a woman is capable of being a villain. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so really, insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's yeah. what I think like, you know, it's a very common liberal take to be like, we just need a woman president. And it's like, well, you know, women can still be evil. Women can be Rose, you know? Women can be Rose. Women can be Kamala Harris. <laughs> women can be evil <laughs> all the time. They can be Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris and Condoleezza Rice. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it is. That is a very, that was the other thing, symbolism I really liked about the movie it's critique of white liberals like him being like i would have voted for obama a third time or like the glasses like the way they were dressed like at the beginning when rose is like oh should i mention that you're black is it important or mm -hmm. her like speaking up to the cop like it's like all of these like white savior like like oh i'm i'm like great i'm cool i'm with it kind of thing that liberals will do to like make you think that they're really progressive while they're not progressive yeah. at all. Obama who yeah. deported more people than any other president before him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so like it's but yeah, they did a really good job of it. And I do think it's really funny that a lot of white liberals will watch this movie and not realize it's about them, which is my favorite <laughs> thing about satire is when people don't get it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's great cuz it's I mean, now having written satirical articles for the New Yorker, like, it's just so funny that people will. I wrote one about um, a letter of, of appreciation for all the men who haven't sexually harassed me. And it was it was satire, like thanking the good guys, like, thank you so much for not harassing me. But and then it was also like pointing. I don't know if you read it, but it was like pointing out um, the guys who are silent, like the people who like condemn sex workers or like people who like are nice to you, but shit on other women or people who like defend abusers, like the other kind of shit that men will do. And so many like men messaged me like, thank you so much for speaking up for us. Like, thank you so much for talking about the good guys. And I was like, oh, you did not understand. <laughs> I feel like your inbox is very te uh, people telling on themselves. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh no, like, oh no. Yeah, there were multiple times where I'm like, I'm sorry to break it to you, but um, you are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I have that feeling a lot, too. Like in comedy, you know, there will be white comics that want to talk about how terrible white people are. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're 
white, you know? Um, and I mm -hmm. think, you know, there should be a space for us to critique, but also like realize we are complicit and benefiting from these systems as well. Yeah, there's something cringe. It's like the mom who tries to be cool. It's like there's yeah. something cringe about like anybody being like, I'm so white. Am I right? It's like, yeah, like you that's you can't take that. That's the one thing we have. I mean, it's hack anyway, but even yeah. if it wasn't hack, it's like, just don't make the jokes that, that it's like white people. Am I right? It's like, but you're the white oh, yeah. people. <laughs> It's just so funny. Yeah, no, but it's, I mean, we talked, I think we talked about pedagogy of the oppressed like that. Yes. Oh, book talks about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, just a little hand wave of excitement. Like I love that, <laughs> that book. book is so good. The <laughs> book is so good. Um, there was a really good article I read about get out and comparing it to Stepford. Stepford. I want to say vibes. Stepford wives mm. um have you seen that movie i actually haven't i'm embarrassed to admit that no don't be embarrassed there's so many movies how are you gonna mm. watch all of them um i saw it a long time ago but it was basically talking about how they're that one's more dealing with like women's issues but they both kind of like push these people into the suburbs which is like the epitome of both whiteness and like rich people um oh, yeah. and civility and kind of then that's like the horror of it, of them just sort of slowly being pulled apart by that world. And it, it, I mean, it said a lot more other clever things, but um, I thought that was really interesting because I never made that connection. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like removing someone from their regular realm of existence. It's kind of like if you could make white privilege and oppression a place. <laughs> it would be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and the whole time you're like gaslighting yourself, you're like, wait, is what I think is happening happening? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It is so. No, I mean, that Malcolm X quote about white liberals is like one of the most real thing he said all, of all time, where he's like, they like pose as their friends. Or it's like, I forget the exact quote, but it's like, he's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm -hmm. It's still going to eat you. Um, yeah, anyway, I could go on about this I forever, like but that's I've, what it was. Uh, you know, I moved back to Green Bay to, uh, you know, do organizing work. And I feel like I've had a little bit of uh, explaining to people, like, the difference between leftist and liberal and uh, mm -hmm. you know, what that all entails. And I think people are starting to understand it more. But it used to be just, like, liberal was synonymous with left and Democrat. And I think mm -hmm. conversations are getting a little more nuanced now and people are starting to understand that there is a solution outside of this like neoliberal <laughs> like two-party like, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, like fascist a corp fascist economy will solve everything. Like it won't. <laughs> it won't. And it's so like yeah, I just finished reading this book by Paul Ortiz. Um it's like it's called the African-American and Latinx history of the United States. And it like really talks about the international and um, solidarity between um, black people in America during both the civil war and the civil rights movement and with like Latin America and really talks about how a lot of unions like failed because of like racism and misogyny um, because like poor white people like, were easily bought out 
like by corporations that wanted to give them some money and, and like throw like black people under the bus. And then at the same time, they also, whenever poor white people would unionize, like uh, they would just hire either immigrants or newly freed slaves to kind of break up the strikes. So it's just like a classic example of racism as a device, divisive tool to kind of break apart working class solidarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, uh, I remember I was working this one campaign and we were trying to organize a craft factory and it was rampant with racism. And, you know, I felt as an organizer, that's something we need to address. And, you know, my director at the time was like, we're not here to fix racism. We're here to win a contract. They're like, how are we supposed to win a contract if we can't even get people in the same room? Like, um, that's so interesting. Yeah. I bet you have like a, I mean, you work in this, you just see the reality of it every single day. You know, it's actually what made me want to come home to Wisconsin because I saw like the tr- what the Trump election did to my home. And, um, you know, I just saw like, I, I'm a white person. I should be up in that community talking about these values and doing this organizing. It seemed more important than like taking up space in Chicago, which first off, like Chicago has it covered like you know (laughs) (laughs) mostly Um, yeah (laughs) but I did feel like um you know I think it's sort of uh you know instead of leaving all these communities white people have to go back and try to organize and and spread progressive values as opposed to just fleeing to a city yes no I think you're completely correct in that I agree with that. And it has been so awesome to like organize and kick ass in these rural areas and like have like hotbeds of unionism happening. It's, it's been rewarding. That's Uh, great. I mean, that is like where, yeah, I mean, a lot of people like, I think that's wonderful that you do that because it's a lot of people like understand, they understand all these problems better than any academic person would because they're living it. mm -hmm. And like, I'm like a research assistant in that realm. And it's like sometimes so interesting to me that these like Harvard people will just like talk and talk about uh, economics of exploitation and poverty. But I'm like, but like they don't, they just like knowing it. They don't really want to do anything about it. Like they're not Mm -hmm. out in the community doing stuff. And it's like, how much can you learn about this? (laughs) You know? know? It's wild, too, because I took a, uh, it was just an online course with Harvard, with Marshall Gans, and, like, it, it's funny, like, how I, I find myself, I feel like I am well aware of class and power dynamics, but, like, my first two or three sessions with the class, I was just, like, I couldn't talk, my face was bright red, I was just, like, you're at Harvard, you don't deserve this, you're not welcome here, it was, like, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> literally felt the same way yes so bizarre so what are you studying um or researching i'm not studying i'm i'm like a research assistant uh it's like specifically the thesis on the american criminalization of poverty and it kind of uh looks at like the history of liberation movements both in america and the world um and like like imperialism and essentially the the takeaway is america is the villain of everything we <laughs> ruin the ending yeah yeah sorry spoiler <laughs> <laughs> that's also like why i loved get out because you really can't it just like you can interpret it on from so many lenses like 
like one way to, that I to think about it is like all the remnants of the old South that are just everywhere. Um, and like, as he's like walking around uh, the grounds, like how much space they have that they have these like black laborers. It's like kind of feels like slavery, but it's not. And, and like the way the woman is like trapped in this kind of Stepford wife setting um, there's just so much like in it that just kind of shows like, Oh, like this history is still with us. It's not like done just because these people are these like contemporary liberal people um, mm-hmm. that are like dressed accordingly. Um, it's like, yeah, it's like sort of this, like, le- like I also found it interesting that like the patriarch of the family, like the grandpa, the grandpa like kind of started it and it's, like still going and it's sort of like the way that it's like handed down over generations and like and like how racism has just like morphed more than gone away in in that like now she now she uses her like attractiveness to do it versus like her grandpa was probably like doing it more blatantly you know Mm -hmm. so there's yeah there's just so much in it jordan peele is a fucking genius he is You know, the other thing that jumped out at me is that Chris is a photographer, and I don't know if you've seen the new Candyman. I haven't. I really want to, but I'm scared. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. You will love it, Um, especially just the discussion of gentrification of Cabrini Green. It's so good. Um, But that main character is also a photographer. So I think Jordan Peele is trying to tell us uh, or say something about mm-hmm. young black men being photographers and maybe having agency in showing the world their vision. And maybe it's like a metaphor for him as well. That is cool. That is cool. Because, oh my God. So because also the main character in separate, uh, she's a photographer. Um, maybe it's like something to do with like, cause like photography is all about like seeing things from an original perspective and like showing the world like the truth right so it's like Mm -hmm. kind of interesting that they're photographers that are like that are like kind of showing us the truth essentially uh i love jordan peele so much i had i was watching a ton of interviews with him and i feel like Mm -hmm. he also might take on night of the living dead because he in an interview he was talking about ben one of the main characters heroes of night of the living dead a black man who defends against the zombies and saves the group and then is wrongfully murdered by the police so my fingers are crossed for that. That is that sounds really good. God, he's just he nails it. I also really liked us and yes. its take on like class warfare. Like it's so interesting. The other thing I want to say about Get Out, and I don't want to cut you off if you had something else to say. I really liked. Well, I didn't really like this, obviously, but I really liked the, his portrayal of the way that, um, like, how these people like use black people, like for like to seem i think the exact quote he's the character says it's like faster cooler something like they literally use the bodies like it's like to take like they use it for profit like they use it to seem cool like it's like oh like i only like want black people around me as long as they're profitable to me or make me look good or are you are exploitable to me in some way? Yeah. Um, so that was the line was black is very in right now, and like, oh, those people were just wild. Um, They're like showing them up. They're literally auctioning. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like all the symbolism is very much there. Just 
the way slavery has been. Yeah, it's like they just shifted physical labor to a more of like social currency and taking over their bodies. Yeah, and it's like such a figurehead thing, right? I mean, it's like literally they do it with athletes in sports, um, you know, and they do it in culture all the time because like like the music industry loves like using black culture, artists like Katy Perry, Miley Cyrus. Mm -hmm. And then it's also just like, like the figurehead victories of like Obama and Kamala of like, Hey, we're not racist anymore. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's just like the movie's so good. Cause it just is so applicable to so many different uh, ways that it, that uh, racism exists, but like not in the way that it's ever really talked about often. Yeah. And like, oftentimes if you try to bring up that something was racist, then you're the problematic one. And uh, that's always been, so wild me well and that's the other thing throughout the movie like chris is not dumb like he is picking up on everything and he's texting his friend about it and mm-hmm. he's trying to talk to rose about it and she's like playing ally so well she's like i'm she's like the confidant she's the girlfriend she's on his side um so he's not dumb but she's just like convincing him of against what he knows to be true which i feel like happens all the time like i'll complain to like a friend that i'm like oh i think this booker is kind of sexist or i think this guy's and they'll be like yeah but like he booked like this woman and like he loved and it's like okay well then never mind i guess i'm dumb yeah it's like he's always been nice to me and it's like people will just like disagree with you on your own experience and it makes you feel crazy Because you're like, wait, maybe I am crazy, but you're not usually. (laughs) Again, I am nodding curiously. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's a very relatable movie. It's really the fact it it got nominated for a comedy award, right, at the Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which which is yeah, I guess they don't really have a category for horror or real life. (laughs) <laughs> or what did Jordan Peele say? He was like, get out as a documentary. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and horror is always <laughs> underappreciated. Like, by, by critics always hate all horror. There's not any um, genre for it, really, in award shows. It's, it's not fair, because horror is a great medium. People don't respect horror or comedy or, like... Yeah. They don't, they don't really respect... Yeah, they don't respect it, but it's, like... some. I think it's actually way smarter than all these like sometimes these like action movies that like pretend they're so important but they're not that good like green book was horrible la la land was okay but like they're considered like these important movies and there's so much like stuff in comedy and horror that's just like so much more interesting and original i agree um were there any other themes that stuck out to you I mean, I, I think I mentioned everything. I think, like, I think the ending, I really liked the ending. Oh, yeah. Um, I really liked, because didn't he have, like, an, a, like, an alternative ending at first? I heard that originally it was going to be a, a, a regular police officer, not Rod, his friend. And it was mm-hmm. going to be, you know, it looked like he had attacked Rose and they would frame her. Or frame, they would him. arrest him. Um, but then everyone thought this is too sad. I'm really glad he didn't do that because I was just talking to my friend about this the other day. Like, 
I don't know what it's called, like trauma porn or what yeah. it is, but like, I really like don't want to watch anymore. It, I felt this way about Promising Young Woman too. I really don't want to watch more movies that are just like, yep, did you know this happens? It's like, yeah, what that's for women? the news. Yeah. That's just the news all the time. That's my reality. Like I would just, yeah, I really like the ending of this because it was just one original and two, it was just like, like, I thought it was a good, like, if you want to derive meaning from it of, okay, like, people of color need to work together in order to survive, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that could be the meaning. But I really, I was so glad it wasn't just a regular police officer, and they just didn't show us something that already is on the news every day. I was just so happy about that. Me too. So how do you, why do you like horror? Because it's so interesting. I wouldn't, I would never say that I was, like, a horror fan. Mm -hmm. Um but I've always been like attracted to horror. Like I really like love, I like want to be a person that watches scary movies because I think it's so like, they're fascinating. Like they're never boring. Mm -hmm. um, and they say like so much about the stuff that we fear in each culture or in each, each decade. There's such a time capsule of like the way people critique religion or sexuality or whatever, or like, the future i like them i love reading about them but just like watching them scares me <laughs> <laughs> well i do admit like when scenes get a little too gory for me i do pull out my phone and i'll be like oh words with friends and <laughs> you know kind of pull away a little bit but i i also i really love the metaphor in that how horror movies can speak so much to what's happening like you said it's this time capsule um and i think you know there's also this sense of power and fun in that you're watching something scary and terrible but you can turn it off and walk away and you're fine so you get like it's almost like a roller coaster in your living room maybe yeah i do i do like that yeah i think like again like us get out like that stuff is scary but it doesn't like keep me up at night but like now there's all these like horror tv shows like what was that um the haunting of hill house mm -hmm. and then there was something similar to that after that i forget bly manor mm, um yeah. did you watch either of those i do but i don't really remember <laughs> no and they're they're more like this is us with ghosts like it's yeah. less of like the grudge and it's like even those scare me i think just like the idea like i'm scared of ghosts like whether they exist or not like at night when I'm alone in my room and it's dark, my like I will see the robe that is on my door and it will look like a woman to me. And if I watch The Grudge, <laughs> I'm not going to sleep, you know, so. <laughs> well, I want you to sleep. So, you know, <laughs> let's say go at your own pace. And, uh, you know, uh -huh. I, I feel like there's so many different genres of horror that you can really, you know, you can find your. Um, thrillers and your more psychological based things with no i'll make you a list of non-ghost horror movies that would be great <laughs> i i did like hocus pocus and halloween town and all of those disney channels <laughs> sweet um so any uh any favorite parts or final thoughts you want to shout out about get out favorite part i mean yeah the ending was really great Ooh, there was one thing i wonder if you would even you probably already know about this, but you know the part where she's like drinking milk. Oh yeah, 
is psychotic Mm -hmm. because she's like drinking milk and eating Cheerios and like looking at basketball players. And there's this like whole thing about like when characters drink milk in movies, it's to like show their like childishness or like their perversion. Um, It's like in a clockwork orange. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's this like other moments where it's like, I think it was in that one Leonardo DiCaprio movie where he like orders milk instead of a whiskey and it makes him sound like a child still. But um, I just thought that was like really creepy that she drank milk because I'm, it was just unexpected. It was just jarring. And I was like, I don't know why it just really stuck out to me because it, it like really represented like her purity and childishness. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah. It was like, and know. also like her indoctrination mm-hmm. into white supremacy. Uh, that scene, especially where she's talking to Rod on the phone about, um, you know, I know you've always wanted to have sex with me. And the oh, family yeah. watching and like looking all proud at her, like, yes, yes, she's doing great work. It's like, oh, yeah, really exactly. Good. She knows all the tricks in the book of the, of the white femininity that she can use, which is like, oh my god like i know you want to have sex with me and it's like wait what mm-hmm. <laughs> rod yeah. is so he's my favorite character in that movie he's so funny and like i'm so glad he added him in because he really did provide a lot of comedic relief and i don't know he's just he was just hilarious and he's like the friend who has your back definitely i know i saw it in the theater and when rod got out of the police car everybody cheered and it was, it was like, such oh. an awesome moment it was like a sigh. Re- I didn't see it in the theater. I wish I had. It is fair. Yeah, Get Out is an incredible movie. Wow, I haven't like really talked about it at length with anybody, and now I'm just like, I liked it more than I even thought. <laughs> oh yeah. Cool. Well, I'm so happy to have you on tonight. Uh, is there stuff that you're working on that you want people to know about, and where can they find out more about you? Um. Yeah. I have another New Yorker piece coming out next Tuesday. You can follow me on Instagram. That's where I post all of my dumb, funny, silly videos and stand-up dates and uh, articles. So yeah, Meg in Dirty is my Instagram name. So. That's awesome. That's where you can find me. Yeah. Be sure to follow her. And that's been Bloody Mary. Have a good night.